0: Welcome to BME Culture Happy Hour, our roundtable podcast about what we're learning, doing, and creating. I'm the co-host Dr. Joe Ledoux, Associate Chair for Student Learning and Experience in BME at Georgia Tech.
1: And I'm your co-host Candace Chung. I'm a fourth-year biomedical engineering student at Georgia Tech.
0: Today we have a very unusual uh, special session where we have upperclassmen and freshmen, and the freshmen are going to grill the upperclassmen. So why don't you all introduce yourselves and then we can get going. I'm Alan Grothies. I'm
2: a first-year biomedical engineering student from Houston, Texas.
3: My name is Vaishnavi Andhra. I'm also a first-year biomedical engineering student from Dublin, Ohio.
4: I'm Bharat Sanders. I'm a third-year BME student from Johns Creek, Georgia.
5: My name is Christopher Schenk. I'm a second-year BME, and I'm from Gainesville, Florida. And we're both, me and Bharat are both members of the BME Student Advisory Board.
3: All right, let's get started. So for someone who is considering biomedical engineering or is currently in BME but doesn't know much about it, how would you explain what biomedical engineering is and how it differs from other branches of engineering?
5: Biomedical engineering is a really uh, interdisciplinary branch of engineering. So the core principle is going to be applying engineering principles and design principles to biological systems. That kind of encompasses a lot of things. So kind of two big focuses are going to be bioengineering, a lot of uh, like cell manipulation and like kind of cell and tissue level. And then a lot of people, some people focus more on uh, like de- medical device design. And that kind of has a more mechanical engineering flavor to it. I think those are the two camps you see emerging in the undergrad BME department.
0: I might toss in one thing that our chair, Ravi Bellenconda, has said that I like, which is that uh, biomedical engineers are the only ones that have to deal with and design around things that ultimately we did not design ourselves. Mm-hmm. When you think about mechanical engineers or electrical engineers, they're working with parts that humans made. And so there's a lot of mystery and a lot of complexity in there that makes it in some sense. Uh, well, it's just a better engineering major, right? <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right. So what are uh, what are some common misconceptions about uh, biomedical engineering? Uh, you know, a, a lot of people see it as a very hard major. Uh, but what what would you say from like an inside perspective, uh, how you feel about uh, it's it's difficulty level and it's uh, application in the real world.
4: Um, one thing I'll definitely say about BME uh, that people have a common misconception is that we don't come out with real skills. Um, and so uh, people are like, well, Emmys and ECEs and all these other majors are more um, competitive for those jobs out there where you need specific skills. And I really disagree because... You can always learn skills while you're on the job. You can always gain that experience. And if you come in with a certain amount of experience as a BME, you can always gain that. But one thing that BMEs come in with is are those soft skills that really make us more marketable to these um, to these jobs and things. So like we're really good at giving presentations. We're really good at writing papers. We're really good at working in teams. And all these things are types of things that people who are hiring are looking for. Um, And so as a BME, the common misconception is that we're not as hireable, but I think we're in fact more hireable because if we go out and make ourselves better through research and through like specifying our skills and finding that area of BME where we're passionate about and making ourselves really competitive in that aspect, we can build our own skill set and then come in with that other skill set that other engineering majors may not necessarily have and be a lot more competitive.
5: Yeah, I think that's definitely, that's, I mean, I think that's definitely true. Um, there is kind of a myth that BME is like a mile, kind of a mile wide, but only like an inch deep. And so BME does draw from a lot of different disciplines. Uh, you know, there are courses more centered on biology, chemical engineering, mechanical engineering. That is all true, but you still do learn those like technical skills that'll make you competitive in the job market. So BMEs learn SolidWorks. BMEs learn LabView. Um, One of my one of my close friends was just telling me about how uh, important BME 3110 was in her being successful kind of in um, these applications that she's doing now looking for summer internships um, that, you know, she had to do a uh, technical interview in using LabVIEW. And that is something that we did in uh, BME 3110, which is engineering physiology lab. One and that you know she's been doing on the job standards and testing a lot of things that we cover uh you know cover in our in our course material so it's definitely like the BME a curriculum does prepare you to be successful in the job market
4: yeah definitely and I'll add to that is yesterday I was actually in senior design lecture and Professor Rains um, gave a really great lecture on how to be best professional in the professional world um, as well as uh, he talked about things like. Um, Uh, There was one quote he actually said that was really great. He said that uh, to make a difference in the world, you have to be different. Um, So if you're not different, you're not uh, going to make a difference in the world. And BMEs go out into the world and they're like, well, what am I supposed to do? I'm so different than all these other people. I'm not as marketable to these jobs. But you being different makes it opens up so much so many more doors for you um, as a BME. So I I definitely think that it's a common misconception that BMEs aren't as strong as other majors because BME is definitely the best major ever.
1: (laughs) It's what it stands for, right? Yep. (laughs) Um, I think another uh, misconception is that we're all pre-med, and that is completely false. Like, there is a large proportion of BMEs who are pre-med, but there are a lot more students who are not pre-med.
3: So, Barth, you were talking about kind of what BMEs are, at least outside, um, after they finish, uh, after they complete their major, like, career options and stuff. So, what are some career opportunities that biomedical engineers... The, the, the major opens up for biomedical engineers?
5: Um,
4: well, I'm actually pre-med, <laughs> but um, there are definitely a lot of, I, I don't explore career opportunities as much as a pre-med, but definitely I, I have had to recently um, since I'm taking a gap year. So I've been looking into a lot of um, career opportunities and they're, they're, I don't know if everyone listening to this knows Sally Jarish, but she's one of the best people in the BME department. She literally sends out opportunities every single day on different careers you can pursue, different research opportunities, um, internships all over the nation, all over the world, actually. Um, And it's really up to you to put yourself out there. To um, first of all, create a portfolio of all the things you're doing in BME. Um, so that that includes things you're doing in classes, in your labs, um, outside of class, the different projects you work on. And when you go and market yourself for a job, there's no way that these jobs can know, you know, what exactly you do as a BME or all these interesting things you do. They just See what's on your resume, and so it's those little little things that you do as projects that you need to market market yourself as to get those jobs in industry or in research. Um, and I definitely think it's it's very possible if you make the most of your time here as a BME, um, especially taking advantages of networking opportunities. Networking is almost everything. Like if you know the right people and you are a good person and you really put your work hard work into things, you can get yourself into any position you want. And so. Um, for me at least, like networking was really helpful because getting to know grad students and PIs and labs helped me to get a spot in a research lab over the summer. Um, rather than like having to apply to a bunch of different labs, I already knew several grad students and I talked to them and gave them my resume and that really helped me to get a spot in the lab. So there are a lot of opportunities out there. Some people complain because it might be a little bit more competitive to get those opportunities, but if you take the steps necessary, you can definitely get those jobs. Maybe someone else can talk about like what opportunities are available.
1: I think in terms of like career opportunities, I think a problem that people face is like they don't know the entire scope of things that they could be working in. Like a lot of people think BME, oh, that's product development, like medical device development, but it's not just that. There's also like a lot of compliance and validation. You could work in regulatory services, any sort of process control that involves making sure things that are sterile, you'll need, you need skills as a BME to do that sort of thing. And so, um, like, I've been applying to jobs like that, where it's not like R&D or like product development, but it's more in the background on the sides.
5: Yeah, I think another thing to note, and then I think this might be part of the, uh, kind of cause of some of that, like, concern about not being jobs in BME is that, like a lot of jobs that may that Bmes can do and end up and and do uh, aren't necessarily marketed as like bme jobs so just because they don't let your major restrict what opportunities you look like look at so I mean, you have skills that you know that chemical engineering engineers learn and mechanical engineers learn so you can work you can work at a chemical company a pharmaceutical company you can work at you know like a like a more like mechanical engineering oriented company, uh, just because it's not marketed like as a BME job doesn't mean that you aren't completely qualified, you know, to do that.
0: I'll say a couple of things. Um, first of all, the data doesn't support that BMEs don't get jobs. So if we look <laughs> at the uh, we look at the number of job interviews and the salaries and so forth, uh, BME is is right in the middle of the pack from all these traditional engineering majors, all of which are top ranked departments at Georgia Tech. So we're holding our own against all these other majors. So there's no data to support that you don't get jobs. I do think that you have to be more entrepreneurial in how you approach it because if you're a chemical engineer like I was, or am, uh, or a mechanical engineer, in some respects, you could think of it as a pipeline. I mean, anybody who's got a degree in chemical engineering, you pretty much know what they've done in courses. You know, that's the way it has been in the past. BME is not the same. Every department is, is quite different. They have a different flavor. Um, so people aren't sure, actually, what you know, or what your experiences have been. So Brad mentioned um, portfolio. So acronym for that to remember is PEAKS, P-E-A-K-S. So you really should keep a portfolio as you move through these things and keep track of all the things that you've done, uh, because otherwise you forget, right, to some extent. And you want to take a few minutes after each semester and um, reflect on what skills or knowledge and so forth that you gained and then Later on, when you're looking for a job, you can take your master portfolio, which has everything in it, and you can take that subset of it, which targets the job you're looking for. So PEAK stands for P is personal characteristics. And you uh, mentioned that you refer to it as soft skills. And I I wish I had brought a bat to beat you over the head with. uh, (laughs) Don't not call them soft skills because everything is wrong about that. That is uh, whoever came up with that term is clearly biased, uh, thinking that A, these are easy skills to develop and B, they're not that important. And neither one is true. Um, And we have, you know, the people who are industry who we talk to, in particular, our external advisory board, when I ask them open-ended questions like, you know, what is it about a new hire that makes you really happy or makes you want to pull your hair out? And they will go on for 10 or 15 minutes talking about different things that all of which would characterize as personal characteristics or professional skills. Eventually they get to technical stuff, but it doesn't come up for a long time. So in other words, uh, the kinds of things that BME are stellar at are actually the most important things is what our employers are telling us. Uh, e stands for experiences. A is achievement. K stands for knowledge that you've gained and s stands for skills that you've developed so it's helpful to think in those categories and kind of as you go through a class or learn how to do something in the machine shop or taking a leadership role in a club done a service learning project there's so many different things that you can do and experience that can add to this portfolio that aren't necessarily just your classes but also the classes themselves you should think about what that's doing for you as well and my point being is if you if you come in with a portfolio and you've thought about it carefully and you've targeted it for the job that you're looking for, you're going to, you should be able to knock the socks off of any potential employer with the things that you've accomplished. And, but you do have to do that. Whereas Mm -hmm. a McKee and a chemical engineer, maybe not so much. Um, So that, that'd be my advice. So uh, talking about how important your
2: portfolio is, uh, you know, there's obviously a a wide range of things that biomedical engineering students can do uh, as they get, you know, to a higher level of, uh, you know, information in some of their like 3000 level classes, for someone that's in an introductory class or someone that, you know, has only just started their biomedical engineering experience, how do you suggest getting involved? Because, uh, you know, you, uh, you can look at what a lot of upperclassmen do and think that you're, you know, out of range of uh, of this information. and You haven't reached this this level of, uh, of intellect yet. How do you suggest kind of getting uh, getting to a, like a level where you feel comfortable doing research with something that you might like a, a couple months before not knowing how to do?
1: So we actually have a couple of podcasts on huh. that topic. So we have um podcast about getting research and getting internships. And there's another one on getting involved in BME. But a lot of it is just, you know, being persistent with the clubs that you join and trying to take an active role in that. And because like through these clubs and through these organizations, you're going to get a lot of skills from those. And also there's also the guild, like they will teach you how to use uh, machines and like how to use them, what applications they have. And those are also really good skills as well. Like you could put your own personal projects into your portfolio. I would highly recommend it, especially if it's like cool and you're passionate about it. They're going to see that passion.
4: Yeah. And I'd say in terms of like a research lab or something you want to join, like it's never too soon to do it. Like start now. Um, because I mean, everyone has to start somewhere. And even when like myself as an upperclassman, if I'm joining a lab, I'm not going to know what's going on in that lab. It's not like once you get to upperclassmen, like you're going to know everything that's going on. Like when you join that lab, you'll get the training necessary. You'll, you'll start working. And by like observing the people around you and talking to your grad students and things like that, you're going to Learn by osmosis, almost um, what's going on around you, and if you start earlier, the, that's the more that you're gonna learn by the time you're an upperclassman. And That's one, like, one thing I kind of regret is not starting research earlier because I was somewhat scared that, like, you know, how am I gonna do this? I don't understand. And I took, I actually took um, BMed 3100 uh, pretty soon when I got to Tech, um, and it was with Dr. Shannon Barker, and she has this project or extra credit assignment where you go to like these lectures that they put up posters for. Um, and like scientific lectures or PhD defenses and you go and you watch it and then you write a like a page about it and critique it and things like that. And I went to one and it just went totally way over my head. I was like, how am I supposed to understand what on earth they're saying? Um, I actually went to Dr. Barker after I took a page of notes and I had no idea what I was writing. Um, but I went to Dr. Barker afterwards and asked her, you know, when am I going to, when am I gonna know, like, understand the words that he's saying? Like, what at what point in my BME degree will I understand? And she, I don't remember exactly what she said, but she basically um, encouraged me to like keep going to these things. The more that you spend time, like, exposing yourself to to new things, the better it's gonna be. The easier it's gonna be to learn, and the earlier you start, um, like, don't be afraid to do those kinds of things. The earlier you start, the better you'll be off. Better off you'll be.
0: Yeah, just a second, that um, as a professor, well, I'm not in the wet lab business anymore, but. I found freshmen. You know, the younger the student is who's interested in working a lot, the better, in my opinion, because then they're going to be around longer. You see, so the investment you you spend in training them, they're more likely to be there the third and fourth year, and actually even be authors on papers and so forth. Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah, I think it is important, definitely, just to get involved. Um, you know, like get involved on like on campus, and there are a lot of great opportunities, like. In BME, it's, in, you know, uh, so some of the BME organizations are like the BMES, the Biomedical Engineering Society, uh, Bros Biomedical... Or now. I'm sorry. Research Network Society. Research and Network Society, excuse me. <laughs> um, uh,
0: not just for guys anymore. <laughs>
5: uh, MDEA, which is um, like a medical device uh, design organization. So there are a lot of great organizations in BME, oh, as well as like... The LC, like Learning Commons, and uh, the BME Student Advisory Board, which are, you know, play a role in like kind of promoting and improving uh, student life in BME. So there are a lot of great organizations in BME, but definitely don't limit yourself to that. So get involved in like GT Motorsports or Robo Jackets or something like there are a lot of opportunities um, elsewhere on campus. And that's really kind of, yeah, about being entrepreneurial and just get involved in whatever you're interested in. If it looks cool, give it a shot. You know, if you did, if you don't like it, like what, what did you lose? Um, you know, and if you if you love it and you get really involved, uh, that is definitely an experience that you'll be able to leverage, whether it's you're looking for internships, uh, you know, full time jobs or research. Those are definitely things that you'll, will come in incredibly useful.
3: All right. Um, so just to backtrack for a second, we were um, talking about programs and stuff that are useful for um, students in BME to um, get more information and stuff like that. So when freshmen first come in, they are assigned a mentor and they're part of the mentoring program. But um, as far as I know, in my own experience and for other people, it isn't being used to its full potential, in my opinion. So what do you guys have to say about the mentoring program and how first year should take advantage of it?
1: So I think, uh, so mentoring is definitely like a two-way street. Like you can't just have one person trying and the other person not so, like, for me, it's always been, like, I've been the one trying, but, like, my mentee never really responded. So I've been, like, reassigned mentees a few times. Hopefully she's not listening times. to the
4: podcast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't think she's being me anymore. Oh,
4: oh no. <laughs> it, was, it
1: was multiple of them. Oh, boy. <laughs> but, like, I, it, it definitely requires both people to interact. So I mm-hmm. think that could be part of it. But I am part of the mentoring program, and I helped work on it. So I need to say that it's a great program, and, it, you get out as much as you put in.
4: Yeah, definitely. And and that being said, uh, we're constantly striving to improve as part of the BME mentorship program. Um, and we, we have focus groups and we have uh, student surveys that go out and we really look at those responses and try and understand, um, you know, where in the BME department we can improve and improve student experience. Uh, <laughs> so I think it's really important if you do feel strongly um, about like, say you had a a poor mentor experience or a poor mentee experience or you had a great mentor experience, um, like share it with us and tell us, you know, how you did well or what went wrong so that we can take those experiences and make it better in the future. Just keep in mind that the BME mentorship program is in its second year right now um, and we started off as an opt-out program so we, we're we trying our best to have every incoming freshman and transfer student in BME um, take part in this program. And that's a very risky move, but what it does is it it captures a lot of students who may not necessarily have requested a mentor um, and they get more involved in BME and more engaged. And so the way I look at it is even if we do have a 50% men- uh, retention rate or something, I, d- I don't know the exact rate, but even if, even if a lot of mentors or mentees drop off the face of the program, um, that really sucks. But What's awesome is those 10 to 15 mentees or mentors or maybe even 40 or 50 that would have never taken part in the program had it been opt-in, but because it was opt-out, they did take part in it and they, you know, really experienced something good from mm-hmm. it. So I would consider that a success Um, It's really hard to see that success when you're kind of on the fringes and maybe you had a mentee that didn't respond. Um, But I think if you do feel unsatisfied with the program, you should definitely contact the program, get more involved. You can make a difference in this program because it's still in its beginning stages and you can direct the direction of it.
0: Just say a couple of words. Um, Well, you're new to the department, but two years ago, there was no mentoring program. There was nothing at all. So keep that in mind. And we, what we did was we reached out to students and said, you know, what, what needs to be improved in the department um, with respect to your experience? And this was the first thing that percolated up as the first thing that we had to do to address the different things that people were concerned about. And that organization is called the Learning Commons, and every student is a part of the Learning Commons. They might not know it, but they are. And so we meet every Monday, uh, four to five of th- this semester, but everyone is invited. We have had a, a core group of um, incredibly motivated students who have taken leadership roles in that, but the philosophy is that there's essentially a flat hierarchy. There's people with visions of what they want to accomplish, but like nobody has more power than anybody else. So everybody can join hands and make progress together. So I think the mentoring program... Is probably the most important thing that they do. And so we definitely want to make it better as we move forward. Um, so, and in, in a lot of the folks that are actually in the Learning Commons leadership team who are taking on that uh, challenge are people that weren't that satisfied initially and have their own ideas about how to move it forward. So, yeah, so I think it's, it's uh, as, as Brett said, um, we have interviewed people, I've talked to people who would not have participated without it being opt out and did, and we're very grateful for that. And so, uh, the flip side is it is hard on mentors who, for whatever reason, um, don't hear from their mentees, and that's just going to happen because you're you're not asking people, "Hey, you want to do this?" It's like, "Hey, you're in this," and some people not, may not see the value initially. Um, so there is, it's a price to pay for that, and it's something that we're thinking about. You know, what should we do moving forward? So we'd love for you to be part of it if you want to. So, and we're running out of time. So <laughs> is there anything that you want to ask to sort of wrap things up?
3: Um. So. <laughs> I guess like the most base question that you generally hear all the time when you are in interviews like this, but looking back on your Bmed career so far, do you have any words of advice or words of wisdom for first year students?
5: I don't know. I think you really just have to make like your BME experience like yours. You have to own it. So like definitely just be explorative. You need to find, you know, whatever really clicks with you and you get excited about and you need to like embrace it and just run with it. Um, So like for me, I got involved in a research lab. We do clinical gay biomechanics and develop uh, rehabilitation interventions for um, post-stroke individuals. And like that's been incredibly exciting uh, for me. It's something that like I really get excited about and I love, you know, I'll talk for an hour about it. So not gonna get into it now, but (laughs) you know, it's different for each person and there's so many opportunities um, that are related to BME, that even if they don't have that, like at, you know, those letters at the end. So you really just define what, whatever you get excited about and run with it. Uh, one thing I'm going to add
4: to that, uh, is something I learned from Dr. Ledoux's 2210 class, actually, um, it's part of his, uh, conception of learning and scholarly grit, um, all those things that he teaches, which you should definitely take his class to learn about it. Um, but one, one big thing that stuck with me was the optimism part of it. And, um, BME will definitely get you down at times. Georgia Tech in general might even get you down at times um, when you get, you know, a bad test grade back or don't get the job you want or something like that. But it's really important to, like, pick yourself back up and realize why you're really here. You're really here not to get good grades, not to, like, you know, show off what your achievements are. You're here to learn and to achieve And there's no one who can tell you what that means, like what success means. You determine that for yourself. And so if that means like you're going to invent the next best medical device, you're going to figure out a way to do that. And BME is going to help you to get there. And you can always talk to professors to help you out and advisors. And there's just so much support here. Even if it doesn't feel like it, there really is like you need to seek it out. And it's there. Um, There's advisors, there's peer coaches, there's mentors, there's plus leaders, focus leaders. There's all kinds of people that are there to help you to succeed in BME. Um, So stay optimistic stay on top of your stuff. And like, like Chris said, like find your passion in BME and make that your goal, make that your thing that you're striving for to achieve in BME, not grades, not, uh, you know, what's going to be on your transcript.
1: Yeah. I think the big one for me is just to have fun in BME. Like it's not all about grades. Like you should love learning. I mean, that's why you're in college, right? That's why you chose Georgia Tech. I mean, there must be something connected to learning, but like seek out the opportunities that you think would be really fun and not just like, oh, it look great on your transcript, but things that you would like passionately enjoy um, and just enjoy yourself. Like it's not all about grades. I definitely don't have <laughs> a very, very high GPA, but I've enjoyed my college career. And I think that's a lot more to say than I got a four O.
4: Definitely. Don't get scared about the grades part either. Like it is, it is definitely possible to get good grades in BME as well. Like I said, there's a lot of support and there's also, um, like if I feel like if you're passionate about it and you enjoy the classes, like you will do well, like the class, like honestly, the classes that I've done the worst in, I didn't enjoy. Like the ones that I did the best in are the ones that like, I really enjoyed going to class. I liked meeting with my groups outside of class. So as long as you realize that you're in BME because you like it, I think you'll do
0: just fine. You'll do well.
1: And if not C's get degrees. (laughs) (laughs)
0: I guess I'll throw in my two cents as somebody who's been around for a lot longer. Um, I think I went to Cornell um, as, as an undergrad for chemical engineering. And um, I still look back on those days as some of the best, uh, not that I'm not happy now, but there was just, There's something about college that, and I was acutely aware of it, and I hope that every one of you is. um, It's an incredibly special time in your life that it's just not going to be repeated. It's not repeatable. Um, So you're going to have responsibilities that you don't have right now. And right now your job is to be, to learn and to experience things. So it's incredible that that's your job. So you're so lucky um, and keep that in mind. And that if you, you, it is easy to get caught up in the day-to-day drudgery and the concern about grades and so forth. That as uh, was mentioned earlier, optimism is a super powerful concept. Um, it's not something that it's actually something that can be you can work on becoming optimistic because it's how you frame things. Um, so you should try to always frame things in an optimistic light. Right. So even if you're in a class that at first you don't think you like, there is definitely a way to frame it to say, hey, this is pretty good after all. Um, and just a simple example that I always talk about um, is Kristen Armstrong's article on running. Um, she was Lance Armstrong's wife. Uh, at the time. And she was a runner and she was riding for Runner's World and she mentioned this thing where she was in a race and if you know anything about running, long distance running, very quickly you're running beside by people that are roughly the same level of fitness. All the fast people are blowing your way and the walkers are behind and so you're hanging out with people roughly the same fitness and she noticed she's approaching this hill about a quarter of a mile in the distance or maybe a tenth of a mile, whatever. It's, It's closing in and the people around her started slowing down and if you want to run a race at your optimum speed, the thinking is that you have a constant output of energy. So you really shouldn't be slowing down until you're on the hill, not before. So they were suffering from a psychological thing. They were framing it in the wrong way. They are mm-hmm. like, oh my God, there's a hill. I better save my energy. And so her point of the article was that she gets to run up the hill. So she framed it as, hey, there's a hill I get to run up. And it completely changes your mindset. And the reason why she thinks of it that way is she's healthy, she's able to run, She has the ability to take the time to run, buy the clothes, do the training. Not everybody has this, all right? And so she realized how special it was and how lucky she was. And it was just a change in mindset. And she blew past these people that were being intimidated by the hill. So optimism is a way how you frame things. And it's a skill that can be learned. And it's incredibly important. And I I just feel like when I was at Cornell, I made a pact to myself that I wanted to leave with no regrets. Like I wanted to make sure I milked this opportunity for all it's worth. The way I conceptualize it, and everybody else has a different way of doing it, but I thought of three things: I wanted to be involved athletically, I wanted to have, you know, a good social life, I want to have good friends, there's things that I could always refer back to and keep in touch with these people throughout my life, and um, and then there's the intellectual pursuits that I wanted to, to do really well on. And I'm sure that other people have other things they want to focus on, but those were my three and I felt really good about it because uh, I just, every day I reminded myself of that. So that would be my advice to you. All right. We are now to our uh, favorite segment of this, which is um, of the podcast, which is, what is it that we can't let go of this week? So we'll just go around the table. Candice.
1: I am having a dinner date with a friend tomorrow night.
0: Yay. All right. A restaurant, fancy restaurant.
1: I actually have no idea where we're going, but I'm gonna assume so.
0: Speaking of all this running,
5: uh, <laughs> I've been training up for the Publix half marathon. That's March 20th, oh, yeah. so next Sunday. Um, I'm really excited. This is like nice. my peak week, and it's an awesome race. So I'm really looking forward
0: to it. Now, one piece of advice would Have you done this before, half marathons?
5: Yeah, the last few miles suck.
0: <laughs> yeah, not only that, you like when you're trained up, you feel like a racehorse, and it's easy to go out too fast. So don't do that. Thanks. <laughs> Um, mine is kind of relative to what you just said,
4: Dr. Ledoux, about Cornell. Um, like I just realized that graduation's like two months away. Um, and the whole no regrets thing is kind of getting to me is like, should I, like, I guess I could still postpone graduation and like get a minor or something, but it's also like, why would I do that? Because I, you know, I'm starting my adult life in the real world, that kind of stuff. So just kind of dealing with that, like my my desire to stay here, like when I get these opportunities in the email, I'm like, oh, I really wanted to apply to that. Oh wait, I'm graduating, I can't do that. Um, So just kind of feeling the bittersweet of graduating in a couple months.
3: Well, uh, my friends and I are going out to a restaurant on Saturday. So that's something that I'm really looking forward to. What
0: kind of food?
3: Um, it's an Indian restaurant. So it's called Saika, I believe. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. So I'm really excited for that. Plus, also, this weekend is an Indian festival called Holi. So that's also happened. So I'm excited for that.
2: Um, I'm excited for a couple weeks out. So our spring break is kind of offline with everyone else's. So uh, you know, while I'm home, a lot of my friends won't be there. Uh, but just the week after, one of my friends is going to be coming up to Tech to come visit. Uh, he's going to spend the whole weekend here. So excited about that. I think that should be fun.
0: Uh, I can show him around. And can't wait. Awesome. I guess one thing I'm thinking about a lot these days is my um, youngest son. I have two sons. My youngest son is graduating from Georgia State this semester. Yeah. Yeah. How about that? Yay. And he's a music composition major. And so he has to have 45 minutes of music that's going to be played at his recital, which is in about a, less than a month, I think. And, uh, and my oldest son, who lives, who works for Microsoft and lives in Redmond now, is coming in. So it's exciting. It's going to be Awesome. So you guys can come and check out my youngest son's music if you want.
1: Let's do it. <laughs> Let's go.
0: All right. So um, first of all, thanks for all of you for coming. I think it's been great. Um, anybody out there listening who wants to have has questions or comments, go ahead and leave them on our website, which is uh, gtbme.libsyn.com or gtbme.libsyn.com. And uh, thanks for listening and hope you'll check into our podcasts. Oh, we have a bunch of them now on all kinds of topics of relevance to people who are new to BME particularly. And actually there is a website too that the Learning Commons has put together uh, called BME Stories. There are eight of them now and we're adding to them every semester. That gives you ideas of what Uh, alumni, what kind of jobs they've gotten and how they got there and what it's like to be working in that situation. So we, we want to add to that and have a big library at some point. So if you're interested in contributing to that, you join the Learning Commons team is doing that as well. All right. Take care.
4: Thank you. Thank you.
3: Thank you.